And we're back. Hail to the podcast, Maze and Blue Review. We've been gone for a little while. Good to be back. The dust has settled largely on the Michigan offseason coaching staff transition. The transfer portal window post Harbaugh departure is now closed. So we figured it'd be a good time to review, recap, grade, and kind of look ahead to spring practice as Sharon Moore and Team 145 begin their new era defending three-time Big Ten champions, defending national champions, no pressure. (laughs) So joined as always, Intel Insider and Publisher, Mr. Josh Henske, who has some good news about a sponsor joining Hail to the Podcast. But sir, how are you doing? Long time no see, visually. Yeah, yeah, no, it has been a bit. Um, I'm good, doing good. You know, it's, uh, yeah, just kind of nice to, as you said, let the dust settle a little bit. Let some, you know, let some peace settle over the lands a little bit here, and uh, just look forward to spring spring football. You know, it's only a couple of weeks away. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of questions will be answered for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of excited for actual football again. Yeah, yeah, something to <laughs> yeah, and I'm excited for coaches not changing their minds at the eleventh hour and. Oh, we'll we'll that, get into that, that stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> would you like me to do the ad read now, or do you want me to wait? Yeah, tell us. Tell us. Yeah. All right. Um, cool. So I'm I'm excited to uh, welcome aboard uh, my perfect franchise to uh, the podcast and to our website. They will be sponsoring um, part of this podcast and also our weekly uh, subscriber chats on the boards. Um, so I'm excited to, excited to help them. And, and basically, um, you know, my friend West at, uh, my perfect franchise is, is offering his services hundred percent free. So I would also like to tell you about my friends at my perfect franchise. Would you like to escape corporate America for good? Maybe you'd like to start a business on the side and keep your corporate corporate gig. West can help. West is a franchise consultant as well as a business owner and can help you find franchises that fit your skill set, financial requirements, how much time you have to commit and more. Franchise is a business startup and operations kit, perfect for those with general business skills, but who may not have specific knowledge on starting and running a small business. His services are 100% free and he's here to help if you have any questions about business ownership. You can reach him by phone at 512-970-7478. Again, that's 512-970-7478. Or see him on the web at myperfectfranchise.net slash about-west, W-E-S-T. So again, I'd like to welcome our uh, our newest sponsors on the podcast, My Perfect Franchise and West. Again, reach out to my friend West. Again, 100% can't 100 free i mean you can't beat that deal you know just uh, set up a phone call see if you know you want a new change of pace in your business um and yeah see if there's a there's a potential fit there i'm excited to work with those guys and um yeah should be seeing more of them on the website moving forward and um again if any any other uh, businesses out there would like to advertise with us please don't hesitate to reach out to me i'll be happy to work with you so um, yeah, exciting times, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm glad to see our, our pods growing and, um, you know, getting more, uh, getting more sponsorships on the, on the website. It's always a good thing. So welcome our guys at my perfect franchise. 
and we'll make sure I don't think I included it, but we'll make sure we go back and edit and include uh, Wes information in the description of the pod as well for yeah. those circling back. So like I said, he either looks fresh out of the shower or fresh out of a kidnapping attempt. He said it's shower. Uh, I believe him because last time I thought it was kidnapping. He was locked in a closet. So <laughs> <laughs> our Swiss army knife, Mr. Do it all the Brock star who went from attending every game of arguably the best team in Michigan football history to covering arguably one of the worst teams in Michigan basketball history. Brock Heilig, a roller coaster of emotions the last couple of months, but how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's been pretty polarizing going from 15 and 0 and and covering the national champions of, of college football to covering a team that is on pace to be one of the worst in the 108 year history of Michigan basketball. And gross. That's just the reality of it. And I, you know, I was thinking a few days ago, like three years ago, both programs were in the totally opposite position of where they are now. The football team coming off two and four and the basketball team coming off an elite eight appearance. And it's just pretty crazy to see how things have flipped, but it's gone pretty fast, but it's a good ride. Uh, Basketball is almost over. I think, uh, Thank God. <laughs> I think most people are kind of kind of looking looking forward to that. But yeah, it, it's it's it, it's been fun, even though the basketball team is obviously having a really really tough year. Yeah, it's still fun, and you know, obviously, you're going to get to move into baseball's push, hockey trying to get into the tourney, right? A lot of other summer sports going on too. But yeah, it's it's a bummer to not. I mean, the Natty sure helped. Right. Like, and I love the running gag about how, like, they both can't be good at the same time. Right. <laughs> so, like, one has to fall for the other to rise or whatever. So, now we know what a national championship in football does to the ecosystem of the basketball program. And yeah. still worth it. <laughs> well, we'll all make yeah. that trade. But, man, yeah. the Michigan State fans taking over was one thing. That's a 40 minute drive. I was kind of like, all right, Purdue fans, not just in volume, but literally quantity mm -hmm. taking over at Chrysler was, I don't know, a very bizarre feeling. We'll, we'll say that, but all right, but we're going to talk football. So let, let, let's move into that. Like I said, we've been gone for a few weeks, so we've missed some of the uh, chaos, obviously, online, especially at our site at michigan.rivals.com. We've been covering the coaching changes and searches and poor Josh <laughs> has been through hell chasing down some of these updates. And then, I mean, we literally saw like he pointed to earlier, Steve Klinkscale telling players he was staying. And then a couple days later leaving Mike Elston to his credit. I mean, even Jay Harbaugh, these guys were working their asses off to the very last minute. Right. I mean, don't want to get into too much details with Elston, but I mean, there's a recruit who's like ready to commit at this point <laughs> when Elston's news breaks. And it's like, Oh, what? So that came as a shock. And then even, I, I can't remember his name now. I, I feel like I'm going to butcher it. The, the Texans DB coach, Steven. Oh, Steven had a go. Okay. Thank you. Literally accepts the job. National news reporting on it. Again, changes his mind a day later. We will get into that though. I actually, I think Josh and I are in agreement. Brock, I don't know how you feel, but I actually like where that hire ended up going better, to be honest. And I think we'll explain yep. why in a second. So, all right, let's get into it. Sean Moore's first coaching staff at Michigan on the offensive side of the ball. Not surprising. Not a lot of changes, right? So 
we kind of saw this ladder move where Mora gets promoted. Grant Newsom, who has been his mentee, if you will, along the way, not a surprise to see him take over at offensive line. We were already talking about even if Jim Harbaugh stayed, there was a chance Newsom could move to offensive line. Mm-hmm. Kirk Campbell becomes offensive coordinator. Again, not really a surprise when you think back to what got him the quarterback job in the first place. The fact he's on the staff, has play calling experience, not a shock. Um, I'm going to discuss the elephant in the room one time, and then we'll get this out of the way. Mike Hart is on a personal leave, um, whether it's him, his family, Michigan, all of the above. It's been very clear that they want his privacy respected at this point, so that's what we're going to do. We don't know what's going on, and that's fine. He's taking some time. Uh, we wish him the best and hope everything's okay. So that, that's just where we're going to leave things at with him as of now. Ron Bellamy stays, wide receiver coach, not a shock. And then tight end coach Steve Kasula. Um, for those who follow the analysts and some of the behind the scenes, not a surprising name to see brought on staff. He was here prior, uh, worked alongside Josh Gaddis, and then followed Don Brown over to UMass, where he was offensive coordinator, comes over tight end coach, a lot of hype around him as a recruiter. So, Josh, um, I, guess, I guess initial read, let, let's talk about Campbell becoming OC. Again, I don't think a huge surprise when you, when you talk to people around the program. And then the interesting piece is play calling, right? Mm-hmm. As initial conference, press conference introductory, more seemed to suggest the, the OC would be the play caller. Campbell wasn't announced yet. He said, you know, we have a feeling who it is. Mm-hmm. And then recently, I think he was at the basketball game was when he yeah. was like, eh, I'm not so sure about giving up that play calling. <laughs> so uh, just thoughts on, on Campbell's promotion and, and maybe how you think that dynamic's going to work. Yeah, you know, I think the big thing, the theme on offense here is is stick with what you know. And um, obviously what, what Sheryl Moore knows is working. You know, a lot of familiarity there with Campbell, Newsom, Hart, and Bellamy. And I guess you can also throw in some familiarity with Kasula too. I mean, he knows all of these guys. So uh, stick with what you know. And, you know, definitely with, with the Campbell dynamic, I mean, let's be honest. Sharon has never been honest about play calling responsibilities ever. Um, he's always, even, even though we know he called, he was calling the plays of an offensive coordinator, he wouldn't tell you that he was calling plays. So, um, it, it's not really a shock to see him be a little cryptic in that regard. Um, I, I do think Michigan's been cryptic about play calling since Jim Harbaugh's got no, right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think the, the philosophy is largely going to be the same where it's kind of this. Uh, a group project in terms of calling plays. I mean, ultimately it's going to be Sharon's call to make, but um, you know, obviously Kirk's going to get some, some uh, freedom and, and, and some leeway to, to call his own plays and stuff. So uh, you know, it's, it's the, uh, oops, sorry. I accidentally hit forward on the, uh, on the thing. That was my bad. I was so um, confused. Yeah. You know, no, you know no. me and my mouse problems. So. Yeah. No, don't worry. That was my bad. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, having that familiarity is really good. The scheme familiarity is important. Um, you know, you could make the argument that during the, uh, the the suspension stuff last year that that Kirk Campbell called the best game of the season against ECU. And, um, and so I think having Kirk Campbell in, in an offensive coordinator is a strength, understands the quarterbacks, which is going to be a huge, uh, huge piece to this offense. Which eventually, yeah, which eventually we'll, we'll get to. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't dislike any hire that, that Michigan has made. Um, I, I think 
you know, we'll talk about the defensive side here moving forward. I mean, there was one hire that I wasn't hugely high on, but now has, has flipped and, and, you know, I think he made the right call at the end, but um, yeah, I, again, stick with what, you know, and you know, and, and what, you know, is, has worked. So we'll see what it's like the dynamic moving forward. I, I Campbell's going to have a huge say in this office. And I think Newsom's responsibilities in, in, in play calling and in the run game, especially is only going to increase too. So um, I just, I think, I think Michigan got it right with, with Kirk Campbell as the offensive coordinator, at least right now. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Um, but I think you got to give them the benefit of the doubt just from, you know, a, I guess, a, a chemistry wise and, and schematically, I think, you know, the best case scenario was to elevate Kirk Campbell and, and, and here you are. So, um, did a really good job of the quarterbacks last year. So I'll be really interested to see what it's like now that he's got his entire hands on the, in the entire offense along with Sharon. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like with with Kirk Campbell as your as your guy for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. And Josh, you brought up the East Carolina game. And some people might look at that game and say, "Well, what are you talking about? Michigan only scored 30 points, mm-hmm. but Michigan had 23 points at halftime and scored a touchdown early in the third quarter. They were at 30 with like 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. Kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit for the rest of the game. You know, JJ Corum, guys, starters like that didn't really play." in the fourth quarter. So it, it wasn't necessarily for people that are scoreboard watching like, Oh, Michigan only scored 30 points. They were very efficient and, and methodical in their offensive attack in that game. And, and I totally agree. He called a very good game. And I do think he should be the guy to call plays. Trevor, you brought up Sharon Moore kind of mentioning that he may not be ready to give up the, the play calling. He said that in an interview with Gus Johnson and uh, may have been Jim Jackson on the call, uh, in the Michigan basketball game against Michigan was, State. Because Gus put the national championship mug in front of his Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, that, that's when Sharon said that. But I think at this point in time, the best thing that Sharon Moore can do going forward is to give Kirk Campbell just just full responsibility of, of play calling because Sharon Moore has talked about at the end of last year when he was the head coach for three games, in the, in the end of the regular season, how, how many duties there are as head coach. Yeah. It, like, like talking to the referees, you know, talking to the players, making sure everything he, he's in charge of everything. It's not just looking at the play sheet and calling the play. He's got to focus on all these different aspects of the game. And there's a reason why not a whole lot of head coaches in college football call plays. You look at Ryan day and Lincoln Riley, I think. And I can't name any other ones off the top of my head. And I think it's because coaches have figured out it doesn't work very well. And so in my opinion, the best thing Sharon Moore can do is give Kirk Campbell total responsibility of, of the offense and, and, and the play calling. And I tend to agree with you. And like Josh said, this has been a group effort on offense for the last few years where they're all kind of involved, especially in the game planning. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Moore does kind of a hardball thing where he says he's not involved with the play calling, but bro, you got a headset on and a play call sheet. We see your mouth moving. Like, come on. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um, Campbell is the pass game guy on this offense, right? Uh, Steve Casula will get to him as well. I think those two are going to partner together a lot and you'll continue to see 
Moore and Newsom, and then, you know, ideally Hart and, and then Bellamy will obviously be involved in the passing game. But Josh, to your point, Campbell's been around this program for a while because of being an analyst and he knows these quarterbacks, right? When, even when Weiss was here, Campbell was spending more time with the quarterbacks than arguably Weiss was right. Yeah. That's why, I mean, JJ pushed big for Campbell to get that job. Right. And his fingerprints are all over Alex Orgy, Jaden Denegal. You could argue Jaden Davis would not be here if it was not for Kirk Campbell. Right. So when you're looking at this QB battle going into the spring and how important that's going to be, I love making Campbell the OC for, for that reason alone. Um, off the field, again, I just mentioned Davis. Michigan was out on Bryce Underwood. I'm talking out, out before Kirk Campbell, right? Mm-hmm. Carter Smith, great pickup, right? I, I like what Campbell is going to be able to do on the trail. And yeah. then on the field, like Brock said, I think you could easily make the argument his play calling when he was, when Moore was suspended, I think was, was better than good. And I think he'll add a little something. And and he's, he's a guy that can challenge more. Harbaugh was at his best when he had people he trusted that could challenge him. I eat your own more. Right. So that, I like that move. Uh, let's move to offensive line again. Maybe it's super obvious, but still a really good move, right? Grant Newsom, obviously a former Michigan offensive lineman himself, came in as a GA after a, a horrific injury. Um, we can say this out loud now more because it literally became a violation that Michigan has dealt with. But when Ed Werner was coaching the offensive line and everybody was so upset because they were moving on from Warner to more, Grant Newsom was the one coaching the offensive line, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like but Newsom was doing a lot of work with the offensive line. Obviously he's been a tight end coach for the last few years, but this is a guy that's been following more like his shadow, mm-hmm. right? Since the two have joined on the staff. So as key as the offensive line has been for the last three years, which I don't know if we can overstate it again, from that continuity standpoint, moving up Grant Newsom on the field and again, off the field with recruiting and then the roster just makes too much sense. Yeah. Just, just makes all the sense in the world. Um, Newsom's going to have his work cut out for him this year though. I mean, you're replacing five, six, you know, seven, however many they want to the shuffle in offensive linemen this year. I mean, a brand new, a brand new line. I mean, it, it, they're not really easing him into this new gig, but however, there's a reason why he's in this position in the first place is because they trust him and, and he's been good enough to handle responsibility. So um, yeah, just another one that just really just makes a ton of sense. A guy that's going to be involved in the offense, as I mentioned in the run game and um the, you know, getting, getting those, those running lanes and all that stuff and uh, incredibly intelligent, intelligent football player knows, knows what he's doing, knows the X's and O's um, knows the offense, like the back of his hand, which is, is, is huge. Uh, and, and no one really, you know, no one knows what that position is like, like Grant Newsom. I mean, you, you're getting coached by a guy who's been there, done that in a lot of aspects, and, you know, the, the jury will is still out to see how, you know, he will develop offensive linemen. And, and of course, Theron's going to have his hands in the offensive line room, too. I mean, he's just not going to completely just separate himself and give Newsom the uh, the reins. But it, uh, time will tell just, you know, if, if this rise that 
Newsom is is on is is legitimate or you know just something that just uh, taking advantage of the hour and I think you know it's 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 the first point that he's actually you know he's going to be a really good uh, offensive coordinator one day and uh, I think he's on the fast track for that so um, yeah I mean again it's just the smart move he's going to be really good in the on the recruiting trail connecting with these offensive linemen and their families already done a really good job on the recruiting so trail we've, tight end. We've already so, seen some big recruits shouting him out for offensive line too. Yeah. yeah. Eli Owens, uh, a current tight end commit. Um, you know, I just spoke, I just spoke with him this evening actually. And and he was, Grant Newsom was one of the main reasons why he's committed to Michigan. So he's really happy to see um, Newsom, you know, rising up the ranks and, and he thinks Michigan's going to be just fine under Sherelle Moore. So um, I, I don't expect, even with any of these guys that are coming in, I don't think there's going to be wholesale changes. You know, there might be some subtle coaching style changes, but again, these guys, these players that are returning know what they're getting in a lot of these coaches. Um, obviously, Sharon Moore has a lot more responsibility and, and has more of a voice now than he might have did last year, but these guys know what they're getting. And, you know, it's not like they're just in their room position groups and not having any, con, you know, contact with the other position 100%. groups and stuff like that. So these guys know what they're getting. And, and you know, the spring and summer is going to be a big time for all of these coaches to get back in on the recruiting trail, um, you know, because they, they desperately need to regain some momentum that they probably lost through this whole um, Jim Harbaugh saga to the NFL. So, um, yeah, again, it's just, it's, it's just a smart move to make. It's, it's the logical move to make. And, you know, this will be likely Grant Newsom's toughest coaching job he might have here in the next I don't know, five years. You know, it's, it's right. just replacing what Michigan lost. It, it's not going to be easy. Fortunately, the talent's there and, and it's experienced in a, to a certain degree, but, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to, you know, hit the ground running in spring, and and I, and I think he'll do just that. Yeah, I agree. And I think in some alternate universe where Jim Harbaugh stayed at Michigan and, and you know, that forced Sharon Moore out the door for, for some reason, I think Grant Newsom still would have been the guy that, that Harbaugh would have promoted to offensive line. And so it's not like Sharon Moore kind of took the easy way out and just said, oh, here's Grant Newsom, I'll just promote him to – take over the offensive line gig. I, I, I think Grant Newsom is fully qualified. And I think not only does Sharon Moore have a ton of confidence in him, obviously, I think Jim Harbaugh does too. And like Josh men mentioned, it, it is going to be tough. Michigan's losing its top six offensive linemen to the <laughs> NFL. And just unheard of, man. It, yeah, it really <laughs> is. And that that's a third of, of 18 guys that were invited to the, to the combine right there. But, I mean, he, they have the talent, just like Josh said. Greg Crippen, Giovanni Alhadi, you're bringing in Josh Pree from Northwestern. There are guys there, and it is going to be tough to, to sort it all out and find the five best. This is something we talked about a lot at the beginning of last season, was, was mm -hmm. shuffling guys around, finding the five best, which, which five worked best as a unit. Maybe not the five best individual players, but which five gives the team the best offensive line as a whole. And I do think it's going to be – a struggle and it's something to keep an eye on through through spring ball and, and definitely into fall camp and maybe even early into next year like like we just saw this past season but yeah re real tough for grant newsom but the confidence is there 
from Sharon Moore and, in my opinion, even Jim Harbaugh as well. Yeah, you you kind of touched on a theme that I think I'm going to bring up throughout the show and definitely make a solid point on at the end, which is I want to look at the staff through the lens of if Jim Harbaugh was the coach, how we would feel about it, right? Because I think, truthfully, nobody knows what coaching hire is good or bad. You don't. You look at the evidence and the resume and you try to decide. But we know us and fans, right? When Mike McDonald was hired, it was like, really? Harbaugh's run out of connections. He's just getting a guy from his brother. Even when Minter got hired, there were some people pushing back on that, right? When Moore was hired and promoted, right? If it's not this big splashy name hire that everybody knows, there's kind of like this assumption, like, oh, I don't know if that's going to be good or not, right? So that that's kind of the lens I'm looking at it through, but you're 100% right. And I, I said this earlier, if I think there was a world where Jim Harbaugh stays and Sharon Moore stays OC, but goes back to coaching tight ends. So he's not doing OC and O-line at the same time. And Newsom becomes O-line coach. So it, it just makes too much sense. And I didn't think about that, Josh. It's so true. Like five new starters this year, but then he's got this loaded five blue wall class that's coming in as freshmen mm-hmm. and some other guys, obviously sophomores too, like get this year, right. And then you're kind of in a good spot for the next few years. Yeah. Potentially. That's interesting. So real quick, if, if you don't have this, that's fine. But, when it comes to the starting five, Brock, you just touched on it. Them trying to find the perfect five in the group, that bleeding into the season. I think that was a problem last year. We, we saw issues where that group didn't gel right away because they'd been splitting up the one reps. In my opinion, whether it's at the starter fall camp or halfway through, I think they got to know who their starting five is. Yeah. And, yeah. and give those guys as much time together as possible there's got to be a fair competition and rotation and finding out what pairs work. Well, you got Texas week too. I I just, I don't think you can be trying to get creative at that point. So right right now, my, my guess, I think for the starting five, I think there's some things we know. I think Giovanni Adi and Greg Crippen are starting offensive linemen last year on almost every single team in college football. That's a guard. That's your center. Josh Preeb coming in. I don't know who's going to be left or right with him and El Hadi because they both have played left almost exclusively. But I think those are your two guards for sure. And then Miles Hinton, you got to think he's he's one of the starting tackles. Does he move to left? Does he stay at right? I think he stays at right. And and Steve brought it up the wild card. My guy, I think that's going to end up earning the left tackle job is Andrew Gentry. Yeah, I think so too. So that is that what you got to same thing I just said yep. for an offensive yeah. line. Yeah. I think any of that combination with, with Preeb, Crippen and El Hadi, I think that three, I think that's mm-hmm. your core right there. And, and, and you can include Hinton in that core too. I mean, he's, he's probably going to, I would say you can write him in with ink in the starting spot. He was much but, better in the, in the back half of the year after that. Yeah. yeah. And, and as, as Steve mentioned in the comments, I think, you know, if, if, if Andrew Gentry is the guy, I think you're sitting pretty in the offensive line. I think you're, you're going to be really, really good if he's going to be your guy. Um, and, and I still think they'll have, they have the chance to be good, even if it's not Gentry, but mm-hmm. I just think Gentry's ceiling is, is very, very high. The former uh, top 100 recruit. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. And I think he's ready for a bigger role. So we'll, we'll see, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think the interior is going to be the strength, and I think the outside still needs to work on some things. Um, obviously, Miles Hinton it needs to needs to kind of continue to develop. You know, had his moments where he was very good and also very bad. So you kind of want. So, what I mean, did, what did Grant he, say? He's just got to realize how good he is. Yeah, and that's exactly yeah. right. I mean, if he if you can get him somewhere in the middle of that, wherever that is, the the really good and really bad, and somewhere in between and just be good enough, they'll be fine. You know, I, I think he's got that that skill set to do that. But, yeah, I think it's very much an in-between-the-ears type of thing for him. So, um, and, you know, for some reason, I just got this feeling that, that Newsom's going to connect with him and, and get that figured out. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know why. It's just a gut feeling I have. But um, I got a feeling that those two will, will, will figure it out. Yeah, that's the five I'd go with, too. Um, I think Jeff Percy would probably get a look. I thought I was making a surprising thing by putting Gentry there. But well, all right. Percy, Percy's a good call too. I mean, that that's the good thing is that starting Michigan has bodies, maybe not as many bodies as they did last year. So maybe they can afford to just run with a five and just be good with it. But um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, Percy is, it's, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, that, 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 he deserves playing time too, and he's waited his turn. Well, and so, he was playing. It was interesting because him and Gentry kind of switched roles last year, where Percy was getting reps at right guard, right, and mop up duty. So, what, what else were you, were you going to say? Anything else, Brock? Sorry. No, that was about it. I, I, I do think, um, unless I'm missing someone, I think those are your, your your top six heading into spring ball. Yeah, I Tristan Bounds is a guy who hasn't played a ton that I think could get his name thrown in there. He's a monster. Like just just a huge human being. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Raheem Anderson's a really good player. That's kind of like looking like he's going to be the next dude that's blocked, right? Yeah. Because you know he was neck and neck with Crippen for a while. Crippen seems to have taken the the leap. You know, was just behind Drake Nugent last year by all accounts. And then at guard, El Hadi was obviously ready to move in at left guard. And then you add Preeb from Northwestern, so his spot gets kind of interesting. I think he's in there as well. And then there's just young dudes we don't know a ton about yet. Amir Herring is a name we've heard. You know, I don't know if any of the five incoming freshmen are going to crack the two deep. I've said I think Andrew Sprague has a chance, but um, yeah, it's it's a group full on talent, maybe low on experience. And if they can find the right five and the quick, the quickest, quicker, the quicker they find that five, the better. But yeah, yeah we'll see. All right, we obviously know about Mike Hart. We know about Ron Bellamy. Let's talk about the new tight end coach, Steve Kasula. Again, this is a guy who's been around the program as an analyst and was an offensive coordinator. So that's, you know, him and Campbell OC experience at lower programs. Campbell was old dominion coming in, but it's a guy that knows the program. Uh, tight ends have already kind of come out and said, you know, they jive with him, but by all mm -hmm. accounts, Josh, this is just, again, from a recruiting perspective, because Sean Moore made it very clear that's going to be a big priority for him moving forward as he wants dudes that can recruit, not necessarily right. just at the position they're coaching either. It, it sounds like Kasula is one of those maybe underrated weapons in terms of just the way he's able to connect with players. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And and if you just listen, if you go listen to the, in, in the trenches interview he had with John Jansen, like what was it last week, two weeks ago, one of the two mm. uh, that says all you need to know about him as a person right there. Just listen to that half hour or so interview 
you can tell just the energy that he has and, and the love for Michigan that he has too. Um, is just apparent. I mean, it's, it's very, very obvious. And again, a guy coming from UMass, you can't really say like, Oh, this guy's a dynamite recruiter. Uh, you know, he's going to come in and land every guy that's on the, uh, that's on the board. Uh, but I think you can tell, you can tell when someone can connect with people, you know, it, 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 recruiting is kind of a special thing where you have to be obviously good at it, but a lot of it, about 75% of it is relationships. And this is what these guys do constantly is just build relationships with parents, coaches and things like that. And, and so it shouldn't take Kasula very long to, um, it shouldn't take Kasula very long to connect with not only the current, you know, the current tight ends right now, but also the future runs. Like I know Eli Owens has spoken to Kasula a couple of times and really likes him. And he's looking forward to meeting him in person. And, you know, again, once, once spring and summer opens up and, and visits are starting to happen, um, you know, there's a bunch of guys out there that, that Michigan can get. And I know Lincoln Cure is, is right up there as one of those guys, four-star guy uh, that, that Kasula is going after. So, yeah, I, I can't sit here and, and say, and, and I can say the same thing for Lamar Morgan too, who we're going to eventually talk about on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, just because of the schools they come from, it's hard to recruit to those schools. So you can't, I can't really sit here and say, oh, a stud recruiter, but you can just, when you, you, you bring in a young and energetic guy, like you can see the theme here on offense and you'll see it on defense outside of Wink Martindale, young, energetic guys that are willing to put in the work. And I think that's the most important part. So if you've got a guy like Kasula who is willing to, willing to put in the work, knows the program, knows the scheme, so he knows what he's talking about. I think that's a really good head start for for him who has got some uh, work to make up. And, and and really all of the coaches do. Even the ones that were retained have a lot of work to do. So um, it, it, a lot of it is an un, unknown, but you can tell a lot about a person by just listening to them them talk. And, and they'll eventually, I know John Jansen will eventually talk to all of these coaches at, at, at some point once it becomes – all official, but um, yeah, I, I think Kasula is going to be a, a player's coach for sure. He's going to, they're going to like him a lot. Um, scheme familiarity is huge uh, on, on offense. I mean, this is, they're still running some form of the Josh Gaddis offense. It's kind of, you know, taken on its own form a little bit, but the, the, the basics are still pretty much there. So, um, you know, the, the, the jury's still out, but, you know, this, this is a tight end coach we're talking about, you know, it's not an offensive coordinator that's coming in. That's relatively unknown, but um, a, a guy that has play calling experience has that kind of high level experience. And, you know, I think that's all a positive. Anytime you can get a coordinator uh, offense, defense, whatever, to come and be a position coach. I think it's a very good thing for your program. Yeah. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, but, you know, I would not be surprised if you start hearing recruits start raving about Casula. It would not shock me one bit. I don't have a whole lot much more else to say on Casula, other than I totally agree with what Josh said on, you know, his his appearance on In the Trenches with John Jansen. He spoke very highly of Colston Loveland. He called him one of the finest football players in the country, which I totally agree with. I think Loveland's 
right up there with any tight end in the country and, and you know entering his junior year he's going to take probably another big leap i don't know if you're going to see him i don't know if you're going to see him uh put up stats like brock bowers did in any of his three years at georgia but loveland loveland's a guy that that michigan's going to really uh revolve around revolve their offense offense around in 2024 um he talked about max bredesen too and he talked about the the uh difference in, in their play styles loveland obviously being the the taller uh, pass catcher while Bredesen is kind of more, more like a fullback. And we saw that in the Rose Bowl, especially. And then he talked about Marlon Klein too, and how he expects to see him have a really big spring and potentially break out in 2024. So a lot of excitement from Kasula in the group that he's coaching. And it was good to hear him talk about kind of the difference in, in play style between Loveland and Bredesen and kind of how to, how to shape the offense around that when you have two like totally different players. So really liked what I heard from him. And I did write a, uh, an article about Colston Loveland and Steve Casula. That's on, on the website too, michigan.rivals.com. But yeah, really excited with that hire. And I do think obviously it's going to Loveland's the guy in 2024 at, at tight end in terms of pass catching show. So excited to see how that'll, that'll shape out. Yeah, this is one of those spots where as much as I love Grant Newsom, I think you have a, we'll call it accidental upgrade, right? Because of Kasula's background with tight ends and H-backs specifically. Yeah. Uh, to, to Brock's point, the idea of a guy like Kasula with arguably the best tight end in college football is very exciting. I'm with you. I mean, Brock Bowers is what? Thousand yards almost receiving double-digit touchdowns, right? But we already talked about in other episodes how close Colston was to Jake Butt's best year, right? So with, with some of the questions at wide receiver, man, it's exciting. But yeah, that, that H-back background is very intriguing for me. I've seen people bringing up Eli 100%, right? He's a perfect for, fit for that spot. And also, too, Steve Kasula has a background in and an extensive knowledge, back to Josh's point about some of the the Gaddis Revenants, QB running. Yep. Steve Casula drew up nearly all the QB run plays under Shea Patterson, right? So moving into this next year for the very pro Alex Orgy people out there. Yeah. Even at tight end coach, a former offensive coordinator who drew up <laughs> the QB run plays in a previous era at Michigan and has an extensive background in RPO. I like having that guy on my staff. If Alex Orgy is the direction we're moving, right? I agree. So I, I think it's a great hire. And again, yeah, the recruiting piece, everybody looks like they're going to be a great recruiter or we think they're not. And then they are like, let, let's see the results trickle in, but just a consistent theme talking to people, players, coach, they think he's going to do really well on the trail. So uh, real quick, before we move to, to defensive staff, I don't know if, I don't want to say grade necessarily. We, we've gone through each of it, but just, Again, under the context, if Jim Harbaugh was the coach, right, mm -hmm. and, and this is the coaching staff, do, do you feel like this is a good staff that's been put together? Yeah, I do. All things yeah. considered, even at the time of the year, you know, trying to hire a staff in February is not ideal because all of your, you know, heavy hitter position coaches that were coveted are, you know, moving on and, and moved somewhere else. So, um, all things considered, you've got natural, 
uh, elevations in Campbell and, and Newsom, and and obviously retaining Bellamy and, and keeping Hart is a big deal. And we'll kind of see how that you know develops here in the next couple of weeks or so. Um, you know, that's kind of hard to even hypothesize and, and even talk about. But right. um, yeah, all things considered, I think it's a very good offensive staff. Uh, you know, for for those who like what Michigan did offensively, but you'd like to see some improvements or some different additions. I think you've got your wish, you know, adding Steve, uh, Steve Casula into the mix. Um, You know, we'll see how Newsom kind of handles his new role in, in, you know, building this offensive offensive line, but he's got guys he can lean on, especially Sharon Moore, who's going to have a big say in that too. So uh, yeah, all things considered, I, I, I like this staff a lot. I do too. And I think one of the most important things when you look at this is these five guys know Michigan. You have three guys who played at Michigan and you have Kirk Campbell and Steve Kasula who have been around the program quite a bit. These guys know what's most important. They know how important Michigan football is to the university, to the fans, everything like that. They know how important the Ohio state game is. They know the tradition. And I think that's, one of the best things, and, and I, don't, I don't think it's something people are talking about enough, is that these guys know Michigan and they know what it takes to win. A lot of them won a lot of games at Michigan, and I do think that's going to bode well for the team moving forward. Yeah, for people that wanted the continuity thing and then kind of the theme of the last few years, young, energetic coaches, that's what the staff is. So I like it. Again, I'm not going to try and put a grade on it. I think that's crazy, but I think for – what you wanted on offense, this is this is exactly where you want to go. There's some names out there. I am obsessed with uh, Brendan Marion, the UNLV <laughs> offensive coordinator. You, but again, like bringing him in as like maybe the wide receiver coach, fake co-oc, like they're just not realistic scenarios at this point, right? Like Josh said, in February, I think he did really well. Obviously, yeah. and, and to your point with the grading too. I mean, it's impossible. Yeah, like you said, it's impossible to put a grade. The, the grade right now is just specifically just for talking point. It's not – you yeah. can't possibly grade this staff until you see something tangible on the field. So, you know, ask us again in another, what, nine months or so, nine, ten months or so, and then we'll have a better idea of a grade. But, yeah, I think when you're talking from and, – and this will be the same point on the defensive side too, you know, February when you're when you're having to deal with that, I think, you know, and, and Sharon dealt with some unfortunate blows too in the process. I mean, he took some, he took some L's, which, you know, unfortunately wasn't necessarily his fault, but something that falls on him as a leader of the program. Again, I think all things considered, you got to really like what, what he was able to do. Well, and to your point, I mean, let's get to the defensive side because that's obviously where there were more, uh, like you said, some, some obstacles we'll say, right. But building this staff in February, while the old guy has an NFL gig and he's trying to build a staff as well, Mm. it's a very unique challenge, right? But people wondered, uh, we've talked about too on this podcast about Sharon Moore's own Rolodex, right. And how reliant was he going to be on the Harbaugh's per se, or, you know, how much of it was going to be his own guys, I think there's a good mix of that here, right? So let's start with defensive coordinator. 
which again, that was kind of a weird up and down ride at first. Josh, I'm guessing this is who you were talking about earlier or when you said a higher, maybe you weren't hundred percent sold on or am I wrong? Oh, I was referring more to Lamar to Adagoki. Oh yeah. Okay. Perfect. So yeah, we'll have that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have that conversation. Okay. So I think the expectation from most people going into this was it's gotta be a Ravens guy. Yeah. Right. You from a, again, whether you want to call it continuity or, you know, keeping that scheme going, how crucial that was. And a guy we had targeted earlier and I became a really big fan of was Zach Orr. There's a couple other guys on the Raven staff that really intrigued me. And then what happens is, <clears throat> excuse me, you see not only Jesse Minter go to the Chargers, but Mike McDonald gets that job with the Seahawks. Yeah. And that basically ruined any chance <laughs> of Michigan Laney guy because now you've got or getting promoted in Baltimore and then guys that didn't get promoted in Baltimore going to other spots, Tennessee, Titans hired a Ravens guy. The Dolphins hired a Ravens guy as well. So like this tree from this Ravens amoeba defense is all over the NFL now, right? So in an interesting move, he goes and gets the guy who is arguably the architect of the amoeba defense with Don Wink Martindale. And Martindale obviously left Baltimore. They moved on from him. And that's when Mike McDonald went there and the Ravens defense took a leap, right? McDonald and Minter do things differently. Now there's some debate about how much of that depends on the players. I know people initially were trying to say, oh, this is Don Brown 2.0, which I, I think that was one ridiculous end of the spectrum, right? More conversations the longer he's been here, especially I would say the most important thing, which is what the player's response mm-hmm. to Wink has been. I've bought into this higher more and more, yeah. especially when now it's the unknown. Now that I see, okay, he's your walk around DC. He doesn't have any position coaches assigned to him. And I see what the rest of the staff looks like. I'm really, really bought into the higher now, but your thoughts on, on wink being the guy. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's, I mean, there's really no other spot to no better spot to go than to arguably the, the creator of, of, what the Ravens defense is. I mean, I think again, a lot of it has, to, you know, you got to have a little luck when it comes to filling out staff sometimes and having, you know, Wink Martindale, a, a highly successful NFL coordinator, just hanging out, sipping my ties on the beach and you call him up and say, Hey, you want to come interview? I, I think that's pretty fortuitous in, in, in my opinion and, and getting a guy like that, I mean, obviously he's not a long-term solution. And, and you know, to to think that way would be a little silly. Um, but I, I think what Michigan, if, if the perfect scenario is Wink Martindale to come in and continue on Michigan's very good defense, I think, I don't know if, you can't, I don't know if even like you can't expect Michigan to have 2023 numbers on defense, you know, in 2024. I mean, you just, you just can't. I mean, there's just the, the amount of players they lost. Yeah, they have a lot returning, but that defense was like, I'm talking like all time great defenses. So there's going to be some drop off there. But if, if Michigan can continue on that path of being very good. And in the same time, if there's someone on this staff right now 
maybe a Lamar Morgan who Martindale can kind of uh, groom into the next defensive coordinator. And if, when, you know, he departs the NFL, you've got a guy that you can just elevate like you did with Kirk Campbell. Um, instead of, you know, losing a guy going, Oh crap, we got to stay with this scheme. You know, who can we get that has schemes familiarity and funnily enough, Lamar Morgan also has scheme familiarity with his time at, with with uh, uh, Jesse Minner at Vanderbilt. But um, I think all things considered, uh, Wink Martindale is a is a very interesting hire for for Sheryl Moore to make. I I am going to be curious to see how how he translates to the college game. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's going to be a, a huge issue. I think he's going to resonate with the players very well. I don't, I'm not even going to even begin to speculate on what he's going to be like on the recruiting trail. (laughs) He's going to be active at all. Um, I mean, that's why you've surrounded him with young guys, but yeah, I think again, February, you've got a guy like Martindale just sitting there hanging out and not, not employed and you can bring him in and for however long that is, that's great. But I think in order to bring Martindale in, you have to have some sort of, not backup plan, but future plan. You know, I, I don't think you're going to go in there and lose him and then go, well, back to the drawing board, try to find the next guy. I think you got to have some logical replacement there. And, and, and I believe it's one of these three other guys on staff right now on the defensive side. I mean, I'm not going to count JB Brown because he's on special teams and that's just a whole different thing. But um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be clear that that Martindale is going to be as good as his assistants will allow him to be. You know, you've got three young guys that um, that are just kind of working their way up. So I think it's all going to be as good as what this team can work together as. And, and all things considered, um, in, in initial reports, is that Martindale is, has been a, has been a hit with the current assistants. They're getting along well, and um, yeah, I'll be really curious to see what this looks like come spring. Yeah, I don't expect Wink Martindale to do to be doing much recruiting. Uh, I, he's he's an old guy. He hasn't coached in college football in more than twenty years, so I think this is simply just a a short term fix, like you mentioned, Josh Jerome, or bringing in a guy to simply scheme up the defense and and call the plays. Really, really nothing much more than that. He's not going to be out there connecting with any seventeen or eighteen year old high school kids. He's not going to be bringing any five stars into the program or anything like that. He's simply coming in to scheme up the defense and and, and help Michigan continue to, to to be great on the defensive side of the ball. And I think I've seen a lot of people get concerned about his time with the Giants and how he was defensive coordinator there and all oh, the Giants defense was terrible and 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 this and that. Giant Giants haven't been good in a long time, but the Giants didn't really have the personnel to succeed in the first place. I don't think it mattered who the defensive coordinator was. The Giants just simply didn't have the players to be successful on the defensive side of the ball. Michigan has the players. And like Josh mentioned, you did lose a lot. Jalen Harrell, Braden McGregor, you know, Josh Wallace, Junior Colson, Michael Barrett. You lost a lot of guys, but you still bring a lot of guys back too. Michigan was really fortunate to be deep at basically every position on defense. So you're bringing a lot of guys back. Josiah Stewart, Derek Moore on the defensive line, bringing in Jay Sean Barham at linebacker, Will Johnson's coming back at corner. There will be guys, and there probably will be more guys after the, the transfer portal window in the spring too. 
like we saw last year, they brought in Josh Wallace early in the summer. And so there will be guys there. The talent's going to be there, and it's going to be one of the more talented defense in the, defenses in the country once again. And so I don't think you're going to see that same problem you saw when Wink Martindale was with the Giants where they were just really not a good defense. Michigan has the talent and the personnel to be successful, and I think that's the biggest difference. Well, and I read a bunch of stuff and looked into things with the Giants too, especially after he was hired. And especially if you look at last season, they were praising Wink like crazy. And then when they were struggling this year, there was talk that he was the one good piece of what was still happening with the Giants, mm -hmm. right? To Brock's point about not having the personnel, when they did have the personnel, meaning certain players, they thrived, right? Kayvon Thibodeau is a guy who was moved around a ton and utilized in a really creative way in the Giants defense. Dexter Lawrence, a beast defensive tackle. Tell me if that doesn't make you think of Michigan currently. Blew up under Wink Martindale, right? So the, the general idea of these multiple front defenses where you have guys that can drop back that maybe you wouldn't expect, you're disguising blitzes, you're disguising coverages. I think he's probably, and maybe to, to Josh's point, if he is hoping to maybe do this for a year or two and then go back to the NFL, what better way to prove you still got it than to get a roster full of dudes built to run your defense? Yep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whether he wants to stay here for a few years or not, or just do that, it's perfect for him. Right? He's, he's got to be drooling at the potential of some of these guys. Whether yeah. it, you know, so I, I'm intrigued by it for that reason. And again, adding some of the other pieces, I think we'll probably go out of order here because it makes a lot of sense to, to Josh's point. But yeah, getting through this transfer portal window and assuming there's no other major detrimental loss come spring, I don't want to get in any hypothesis game, but just as this roster sits, I think it has the elite talent to still be a top five defense depth. Probably not, right? It's not as deep yeah. as it's been. But a front of Derek Moore, Grant Graham, and Josiah Stewart, that's the best defensive front Michigan's had. These guys getting another year. Brock brought up Barham, pairing him with Hausman. Really like the linebackers. Will Johnson, potentially the best corner coming back. Rod Moore, Bakari Page, back. I got to replace Mike Sainer still. I really thought a three safety look with Keon Sab was going to be a big piece of that. So that that's a, that's a bummer. And that's a major loss. Zeke Barry staying healthy, big Brandon Hillman, potentially stepping into that role. And then I'm arguably back where I was last year. I need a CB two. I need DJ Waller, Jair Hill to take a leap this year. Yeah. Right. And, and I need to stay healthy. That was, I don't know if we talk about that enough, <laughs> like how healthy Michigan was yeah. last year. And that was being able to rotate. And that's where maybe the depth comes into concern. But yep. the reason I said I want to go out of order is because Josh, you brought up Lamar Morgan a couple times. And I think that's really, really important. Um, I'm going to butcher his last name. Can you say it again for me? Houston Texans. Oh, uh, Steven Adagogi. Thank you. you. You guys know how I am. And I, I don't want to offend anybody. I just, my brain does not <laughs> compute sometimes. So if he was coming in, to only coach corners or safeties. And then you pay, pair him with a guy like Parker. We, we were big fans of Parker over at Toledo, who you know, used to be the coach at River Rogue. I think I would have liked that hire a lot more. I know he had the relationship with Will Johnson and some other guys. But once Josh kind of reported, it became very clear that this is going to be a guy who coaches corners and safeties is basically the pass game coordinator, like what Clink was. But Clink had Jay helping him a little bit with safeties, right? Yeah. 
that's a major task, mm -hmm. especially in a defense with Wink Martindale, whose experience isn't with defensive backs, right? Jesse Minter's background was defensive backs, Mike McDonald's linebackers. So if I'm losing my strength coach and Herbert, I'm losing Minter and I'm losing Clink from a secondary and Jay Harbaugh from a secondary standpoint, I've lost everybody. And you're just going to bring in the one guy who was an analyst and coached at Houston for a year. That doesn't work for me. Lamar Morgan play calling abilities, former defensive coordinator at Louisville, not Louisville, excuse me, Louisiana. So you get a guy to make a, I never, it's not a downgrade, right? Cause you're going to Michigan when oh, he's getting more money. Right. But still more money. Right. But still moving over to become a position coach. And he worked with mentor, like you said, at Vanderbilt for a year. Now mentor ran a different defense than his own there, but still right. Just that that scheme, he comes recommended by Jesse mentor as well. I think pairing him with wink alleviates a lot of my concerns that I had about wink, maybe getting blitz heavy and not, doing what Michigan has been doing in a coverage situation. Yep. Lamar Morgan's a guy that knows how to do it, knows how to scheme to it from a coordinator perspective. And I think he's going to be comfortable pushing back with Wink maybe a little bit and working with him. I would have been fine <laughs> if, if that wasn't the hire, but personally, like when we were going early on and who it was going to be, Lamar Morgan was the guy I wanted anyway. So I really, really like that hire for more. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I was kind of, um, I wouldn't say disappointed that that Adagoki was the guy, but I thought Michigan could do better by bringing in Lamar Morgan, especially um, with the way the staff was shaping up. Yeah, it's yeah. all about fit and timing, right? Like, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong; he would have been great if we were talking about a defensive back, or excuse me, a corners and safeties coach. If those were split. Right, you know, if you were to have a combination of Lamar Morgan and Adagoki on there, or even a Corey Parker, bam, you got your 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 sold. But okay. I think from, you know, just from a defensive bat or excuse me, a corner and safety both combined into one, you know, you get a guy that has play calling experience. I think that's your best case scenario to have that as your fallback option. I think is is a really good thing, and and a guy that has scheme familiarity. I mean, both those guys have scheme familiarity, but um, yeah, I, I, I like, I like what Lamar Morgan's uh, is, is going to offer kind of like a Kasula. I'm kind of waiting to see what the recruiting impact's going to be. You just have to assume that he's going to be this energetic guy. That's willing to put in the work on the trail. Um, you know, you, you, you see it with, with Brian Jean Mary, uh, Jean I mean, it, it's the, it, it's, it's there uh, Scruggs, very good recruiter. Um, but, you know, Morgan's kind of working at Louisiana, which, you know, yeah, yeah it's, you're not going to have much success on the recruiting trail there. So um, I, I think, yeah, all things considered, you get Lamar Morgan as your second option. That's perfect. I mean, you, I think you're, think you're doing great. And, and you could definitely see a scenario that even BJM, you could see either of those guys become a defensive coordinator here soon, whether they want to or not, if they want to. But um, yeah, having a guy that, like I said, well, with with Kasula, being able to hire a coordinator to be a position coach is the best case scenario for Michigan, and and getting Lamar Morgan in there and and working with the defensive backs. I mean, he's going to have a probably a 
easier time coaching the safeties because at this point, you know, the safeties are basically coaching themselves with Rob Moore and Macari Page this year. Good point. But I mean, you need some depth. Obviously, there's going to be and, and losing Keon Sab hurts in that regard. But um, yeah, I, I think Morgan's walking into a really, really good situation with a lot of talent. Um, you know, talent, experienced and non-experienced talent. Uh, so we'll kind of, the jury, a, a lot of these guys like Scruggs, Casula, Morgan, um, even Martindale, kind of the, the jury's kind of still out to see how everything works, but you know, the theme is obvious, a young guy, uh, with experience, I, I you know, we'll see if that is the, the recipe for, for success for, for Sharon. And you know, if it doesn't, then he'll make adjustments, but um, you know, I, I think Michigan could do much worse than Morgan as a fallback guy for sure. And I don't think Morgan has made an appearance with Jansen on in the trenches yet, but when he does, I'm excited to hear about what he has to say about the defensive backs because Josh, like you mentioned, you've got three guys that you know are day one starters in Rod Moore, Macari Page, and Will Johnson there in the defensive backfield. And I almost view this as like the exact opposite of what we talked about earlier with Grant Newsom, where you have to find a lot of guys to, to replace the six best offensive linemen that left. This is totally the opposite in, in the regard that you have three day one starters. Sure. You might have to find a, a second corner, but Michigan did Michigan did that last year in, in finding Josh Wallace out of UMass. I don't think that's a huge concern heading into in, in the spring ball and they'll get that figured out eventually, whether it's DJ wall or Jair Hill, or maybe they go to the portal again. What I'm interested to see is how Josh, like you mentioned in depth, how guys like Jaden McBurrows, Zeke Barry, Brandon Hillman develop under Lamar Morgan and, and, and how he can raise them up and, and get them to a point where Michigan can be comfortable in, in the depth that they have there because they were really depth at, at defensive back last year. And uh, I, I do think it'll be interesting, in, interesting to see how those three specifically McBurrows, Hillman, and um, who did I just say? I'm blanking on the, on the last one. Zeke Barry. Zeke Barry. That's right. How those three develop on, on under Morgan. Yeah. I think, you know, we started this and we talked about more putting such an emphasis on recruiting. And obviously Steve Clayscale was a really good recruiter. And there's relationships there. And, and Josh said, like, this, the staff's got to reset and try and recapture some momentum, right? And I think that was a situation where Adagoki made the most sense from that standpoint. But I wonder if the, the coaching part got lost a little bit in that and the advantage that Morgan brings. Again, this is a guy who coached corners, coached safeties, coached both at the same time, has been a defensive coordinator right? 10 plus years of coaching experience. I think that's a huge value. And then from a recruiting standpoint, it's a guy that played high school football in Texas. Mm -hmm. He played college football in Louisiana, has coached in Louisiana. That's hotbed stuff, man. Yeah. Right. So, and, and we'll get into JB Brown and that element as well in a second here. But I, I think, I think Morgan's coaching advantage was maybe underrated in terms of additions and maybe he's going to be a, a better recruiter th than we expect. He knew what he signed up for. So, so we'll see, but I just, I really like the pair of, of him and Martindale. Josh, you brought up Scruggs, right? Here's another guy where Sharon Moore has gotten a 
lateral transfer in the Big Ten, a guy that Wisconsin was their players, the folks that write about him, you know, whatever, were disappointed to lose this guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Had a quick stint in the NFL. Uh, it, it's just, it's no secret that, that this is a big hire, right? Yeah. Um, replacing Elston and what he's done on the defensive line, obviously been really good. Not a Michigan guy. That's okay. <laughs> right. You trade off the alum, but this is a guy that's been in the Big Ten. And him and I, I think you brought this up already. Him and Wink seem to be really hitting it off as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Scruggs was pretty much the first hire that that Sharon made out on the defense outside of Martindale um, after uh, everything happened between uh, Elston and, and Clink leaving. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, Scruggs is a guy that, again, young, energetic, uh, a Super Bowl winner. Um, is young enough that he can get down with his hand in the dirt and teach guys techniques without having to yell at them and say, Hey, do this and this, he can actually get down in the dirt and do all this stuff with them. Um, you know, if, if not for his bad knee, I think he'd probably be even close to be still playing or just finishing up his playing career. So, um, I, I think it's, I think it's an excellent hire by, by Sharon Moore. Um, I, I think it's a guy there you can see him the, the similarity between him and BJM is that you know there's uh there's a pre-existing relationship there him and um excuse me I got something in my eye I got like rubbing my eye um it, it, him and Sharon Moore were were really good friends during their stint at Louisville together same with 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 uh BJM too so um I I think he's the the, the ceiling with Scruggs is, is limitless. I think he's going to be a very, very good coach, uh, a very good recruiter too. I think the, the, the recruits are going to really like him and, and, you know, Wisconsin recruits at a relatively high level, especially in the trenches. So, uh, you know, it's not like this is all foreign to him, but this is a much bigger stage for him on a much bigger level. And I think he's going to do a, a really solid job for however long he's here. I think he's going to be a desirable guy um, in, in the future. But yeah, I think getting Scruggs and, and getting that familiarity and, and friendship with, with Sharon are, just helps with the chemistry. And him and Martindale have, have really hit it off uh, in a big way. So um, that's also good news to hear, you know, that, that, you know, now, Martindale has some fans in the building too, not just with players, but with coaches. So, um, yeah, I, 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 we'll, we'll kind of see how, you know, things look in the spring, but yeah, I think Scruggs is an excellent hire, um, from, for Michigan and was, you know, that, that was, he would, that was, uh, Sharon's number one guy on the list and he went out there and got him, uh, pretty quickly and effortlessly. So, uh, he was desired, so you can kind of tell what that what that hire means for for Sharon for sure. Yeah, huge hire, and I think this is one where it obviously it's a, it's a big hire, and, and you want to celebrate that if you're a Michigan fan. But personally, I think I could be the defensive line coach at Michigan next year, and I'd look like a genius because <laughs> Trevor, you talk about guys coaching themselves. Mason Graham and and Kenneth Grant are two guys that that. They've 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 been there. They know what they're doing. Derek Moore, Josiah Stewart, guys who are in their third and fourth year. Can't teach size, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, these are, these are guys that 
and specifically Graham and Grant, those guys just wreaked havoc last year. And and obviously you want to celebrate the, the Scruggs hire. It's a big one, but Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant, I think are going to make him look like a genius uh, <laughs> throughout 2024. But yeah, very, very big hire for Michigan there. And, and we'll see how he recruits because obviously Graham and Grant will eventually move on and there will have to be more guys to bring in. So we'll see how he can recruit and, and how he can uh, replenish those defensive line prospects. Well, I have a feeling I know how he's going to recruit because he almost snagged a couple guys right under for Michigan's nose in this last recruiting cycle, mm-hmm. right? Guy grew up in Ohio, coached at Cincinnati when Fickle was there, played college ball at Louisiana, got to the NFL, right? There's kind of this similar blueprint to, to some other staff hires we've seen. Um, he, he's just really intriguing and exciting to me. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, you know, is, is he the guy that maybe gets some DC air apparent vibes or does he get pulled back to the NFL right away? I've already seen a couple of suggestions of that. Who knows, right? Like if we haven't learned already to like, don't assume anybody on this staff is staying for five years. Right. And if they are leaving for better jobs, that means they probably did a really good job here and, and you're happy about that. Right. So on paper again, I thought losing Elston when it didn't seem like that was going to happen, the quick turnaround to get Scruggs was, was a big hire. So to, to Josh's point, moving on to the, the next, we got linebackers here, special teams, and then we'll do a little transfer portal talk real quick and then wrap up. But I thought of this name early on, but didn't really think it was going to happen. But the, the connections just made a lot of sense, right, with, with Brian Jean-Marie. Um, coached at Michigan during the 2020 season and then left for Tennessee after that. So people's perspective of him has been very skewed because that was obviously not a good year <laughs> here in Michigan. And he made a comment about Michigan's crowd versus Tennessee, which if we're being honest at that time, maybe it wasn't wrong. Like <laughs> Michigan stadium wasn't exactly known for how loud and ruckus it was. But anyway, this is a guy we already know is a good position coach. We already know he's a good recruiter. He's responsible for junior Colson being at Michigan, right? a guy with potential DC chops who's coached with more at Louisville went to Texas with Charlie strong. Um, clearly. And, and I don't want to get into the details of what happened with the coaching changes and when he left, but not only no issues or bad blood with Michigan, but very excited to come right back again. Here's another lateral move, mm-hmm. a guy leaving the SEC to come into Michigan. He was on Twitter changing his, a lot of these guys don't change their, hell, they've been working here into the fall and they don't change their stuff. He changed his picture, his name. He was liking and retweeting Michigan stuff almost immediately. Mm-hmm. So a guy who comes in and just makes a lot of sense in terms of being at Michigan before, what he does as a recruiter and obviously his relationship with Sharon Moore. Yeah, and, and credit for Sharon Moore to give him an, a really aggressive offer that knowing that Tennessee was going to come back and, and fight for fight to keep him with another, you know, generous offer of their own. However, it wasn't enough to keep him and, and the rest is history. So uh, I think it's a gigantic, I think this is the, the biggest hire out of all of them uh, for Sharon Moore to make is to get BJM back. I think he's an excellent recruiter. I think you're going to see that immediately have an impact on, on things. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I kind of just wiped that 2020 season from the record 
You know, I, I can't really speak to what his development was like during that season. However, you know, you give everyone an even playing field now without the, the, the COVID stuff going on. I think you're going to see him working with guys like, like Barham and Hausman and taking their games to another level. So um, all things considered. Yeah. I think this is probably the biggest hire that Sharon has made uh, this, this cycle. And so I, I think it's, you're going to see immediate impact there. Um, and, and who knows, maybe he becomes a future DC, uh, I would not be surprised at all if he becomes the the recruiting record coordinator that, that Mike Elston was. Yes, um, I, I don't know for sure if that's even going to be a title that gets handed out, but um, yeah, I, I don't care what happened in 2020. I don't care what he said about the Michigan crowd in 2020. He's back. He's going to be a very good coach. He's going to be a very good recruiter, and I think a lot of people will forget that he said what he did, which was just, it was, I think kind of innocent in, in my yeah, uh, opinion, but whatever it's, it doesn't, it's either here nor there anymore. It doesn't matter. It, what, what matters is now. And I think the now is that, um, you know, it's, I, I think you're going to see an immediate impact, especially on the recruiting, uh, recruiting trail. Yeah. That's been well-documented. And like Trevor mentioned, he was, responsible for bringing in junior Colson didn't have a whole lot to do with developing Colson. Right. And, and, you know, he was only here during that 2020 season. So it's hard to, hard to kind of see how he developed. He didn't, I mean, Cam McGrone was kind of there and, uh, but it's, it's hard to, it's hard to see how he develops when, when he isn't, you know, in, in Ann Arbor for a long period of time, but, yeah, really big hire. Um, I, 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 I'm personally higher on Scruggs. I know Josh, you said you like BJM more, but two two big hires, and I, I do think uh, you're going to seek maybe not to the effect that Graham and Grant, like I mentioned, of coaching themselves, but Hausman and, and Barham for sure are going to be two guys that those are going to be core pieces at, at linebacker and uh, bringing in younger guys to replace them. Cause again, they're not going to be there forever. That's, that's key. Yeah. I think, you know, well, here, let, let's talk about Brown first and, and then I'll make my larger point, but you know, with Scruggs, we talked about Ohio, right? So some of his ties for recruiting in the Midwest, Jean Marie is Florida, Tennessee, Texas, Georgia, yep. right? Like, we talked about Lamar Morgan, Louisiana, Texas. We know Bellamy, Louisiana, some ties there. Like it's very clear <laughs> that, and Sharon Moore, it's not a surprise with his background as well at Oklahoma wants to, to get into Texas. And I think JB Brown, when he was first made the special teams coordinator, my gut reaction was, I don't love having a designated special teams coordinator. He, he's probably still going to help out with safeties a little bit or another position or whatever. But again, the more you look at this, this is a guy who was Jay Harbaugh's right-hand man with special teams. And you could make the argument as good as Michigan special teams has been. <laughs> Obviously, the Alabama game comes to mind. They won in spite of it at times, right? You, you feel good about your punting situation with Tommy Doman, but you're going to be breaking in a very new kicker. Next year, you still have some return issues. Maybe having a guy dedicated to special teams isn't too bad. But again, this is a guy who comes from Texas, 
His father is, I think he's at SMU in a recruiting role right now, but he's a high school legend down there. He's already been on the trail offering players running backs with Mike Hart taking his leave. When a hire first happens, I try not to have a reaction because I don't know a ton about him. I always love that with the draft when a player gets picked and nobody, or I don't know his name, so he must suck, right? Yeah. When I hear how players react, when I see what Jay Harbaugh said, when I see how fellow coaches react, when I see recruits, that's what intrigues me. And Brown's hire under the under the radar, but very intriguing, right? And and again, bringing in Lamar Morgan, a guy that has experience coaching both positions, makes me feel more comfortable about JB Brown being the special teams coordinator. If that makes sense. Yeah, I I don't have a whole lot to say about this. Um, just because again, he, he's coaching special teams, and yeah, he's got some big shoes to fill because. Michigan special teams were very good under Jay Harbaugh. 100%. Um, you know, say what you will about the Alabama game, whatever. That was an anomaly. Um, uh, so I think special teams coordinator role is kind of like, if it's fine, then you're doing a good job. Like you're not going to make a ton of waves by, you know, being a special teams coordinator. I mean, if they're, if they're very good, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be fine, but if they're bad, then yeah, people are going to know about you. So I guess the good thing, if if we don't know about you, you're doing a good job. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like long snapper. (laughs) It's, it's very much like a long snapper. If we don't know your name, um, you're obviously doing a good job. So um, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's a guy that knows the program. He's been around Jay Harbaugh, and if he's recommended by Jay Harbaugh, then 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 awesome. You know, like this is going to be good. I don't know if I would personally have a dedicated special teams coach. You know, I, I would have liked to have maybe added another position in there. But I guess the good thing about JB Brown is that on a recruiting point, you can just kind of send him anywhere to do yep. whatever he wants, like whatever you want him to do. I mean, you want him to re- recruit a running back, go on and recruit a running back. You know, you can have him recruit either side of the ball. And he's kind of like a, uh, um, a Swiss army knife, so to speak that, you know, he can also maybe coach a position too, but I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think this is a, if, if it, Michigan special teams is, is continues on. And obviously the development of the kicking game is going to be big because you're going to have a brand new kicker probably. Um, uh, what's his, Oh God. What, what, when you just said his name, Punter the, the, kicker, the kickers, the kickers name, the, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Adam Samaha. Yeah. Samaha. Thank I you. I didn't Mark. say his oh. name. I said Tommy Doman. I said, the Oh, player. sorry. It's Samaha. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Pops. If you hear this, I, uh, I, I apologize, but, um, uh, <laughs> I forgot your last name, but trust me, it's don't worry. Anyway, um, yeah, if 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 he I'm rubbing continue, off on you, that's the yeah, one. yeah. Well, don't <laughs> say that. Don't say that too loud. Derek might get some ideas. Um, Jesus, hey, over an hour into the show, I'm really proud of you. That took a long time. See, Derek, that was a special shout out just for you, just for you. <laughs> if you're such a loyal listener, we'll, we'll we'll do that one just for you. Um, <laughs> so I guess I, I, it's nothing against Brown as a coach. I'm just not thrilled with the idea of a, a dedicated special teams coach, but 
you can use him in various different ways. So I guess I'll have to see what happens. And again, I'm not saying that Brown is a bad coach. There's nothing against Brown. It's just the decision to have a dedicated special teams coach. Especially with so, your DC being a walking DC, meaning he's not coaching a position. Right, exactly. So three position coaches on defense. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, this 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 point may be totally moot come at the end of the season and everything's fine and dandy, or you know, there there could be a uh could be a you know, there could be a, a brouhaha happening at the end of the year. So um we'll see. I mean, I I, I feel like I'm I'm like taking a dump all over Brown's name, but I'm I I'm just not, I just don't like the idea of a dedicated special teams coach. So, you know, again, if he's dedicated, he's, he's recommended by Jay Harbaugh. So I take a lot of stock into that as for him as a coach and who knows, maybe he, you know, gets elevated to a different coach if someone leaves. So I guess giving him that on-field experience is a good thing. I mean, you've got to start somewhere. And again, I'm not, you know, this is nothing against Brown. It's just the idea of the special teams coach. So, um, you know, time will tell, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I, you know, that's probably the one position where that doesn't really move the needle for me, so to speak. And and that's okay because, you know, special teams aren't really supposed to move the needle. They just need to be good. You know, it's so they just, they need to be good. You need to be, make your field goals and, and have good punts. You know, I mean, the punt, the, the return game is almost non-existent these days, but um, you know, as long as, that trajectory continues on that same level with, with JB Brown, then the Michigan's gold. Yeah. I kind of agree with what you said earlier, Josh, about it kind of being like the long snapper, as long as you're doing a good job, no one's supposed to know your name. Right. And it's kind of like in school, if the principal knows your name, it's probably not good. And, <laughs> and if, if the principal doesn't know your name, you're doing a good job. It's the same thing. And I think it kind of goes back to, to the special teams coach. I, a big reason why I think a lot of people knew, Jay Harbaugh's name was because he's Jim's son. And I think, you know, now that he's gone and, and JB Brown takes over, it's going to kind of go back to as long as everything's going well, not many people are going to know who JB Brown is. And, and that's the way it should be. And, uh, you know, we kind of saw for those few hours there on New Year's Day when special teams were really not going very well at all. Yeah. People were kind of freaking out. All oh, the world is ending, things like that. And, and it almost cost Michigan the season. But, for 14 out of the 15 games, special teams was pretty much near perfect. And like you said, if as long as that's as long as that's happening, JB Brown's doing a good job, and not many people really need to know who he is. And I think a lot of that reaction too is that we're kind of spoiled with the fact that Michigan's special teams has been so good for so long that the reaction kind of results in well, you got a guy just coaching that, like that's fine. So. I think a lot of that is kind of a a spoiled reaction that, you know, that Michigan's just been so good for so long. Well, and I don't want to stay on this Alabama thing for long, but I've said already, Samaj's fumble, I 100% knew what he was doing, Mm. right? He saw a lane for a monster return, maybe suns in his eyes, whatever. I think them putting Thaw back there when he hadn't played that whole game in that moment I thought that was a really bad decision. Yeah. I think that put insane pressure on him. And I've said multiple times, props to him for recovering that ball. I know he beats himself up online a couple times over it, but like he, he saved Michigan season by recovering that. I just, I thought that was a really interesting move to put him in there, but yeah, on paper, 
I felt the same way, like special teams coordinator. And but here's the thing: this is a guy that's been behind the scenes for Michigan for a while. He was announced very quickly. Clearly, more wanted to get him on staff to, I'm guessing, keep him in some way. I I look at Bellamy and Casula and say, could, could those guys have been your special teams coaches? Maybe, right? Some combination there. Yeah, but I think there's also a situation too where, just like I said, I think Casula is going to have a factor in some of the offense and, and in the quarterback run and some of that, I think Brown's a guy that I wouldn't be shocked if he helps out with safeties or again, there is the uncertainty with running back, but like I, I could see him being in multiple spots, but if he gets out there and we start seeing some recruits coming in because of him, that probably changes the narrative a little bit. And like you said, Josh has absolutely nothing to do with him. I'm not even going to pretend that I know a bunch about this guy, right? But more clearly wanted him to be a part of this staff for a reason and, and moved quickly in that respect. So real quick, cause I do want to talk on some of the portal stuff before we wrap up. We've already been running a little late, same kind of thing. Again, I know we don't want to put a grade on it, but again, if I'm looking at this through a lens of if this was a staff Harbaugh hired and I'm like, okay, you get wink, right? Don't need to tell you wake. We've gotten into that. I get a lateral transfer at defensive line in the big 10, a guy that's been recruiting the same players and, the other school is frustrated losing Ohio ties, whatever. I get Jean-Marie back, an SEC coach, lateral transfer. I get a defensive back coach who has 10 years experience coaching all positions, has been a defensive coordinator to come here. And I move up an analyst, which is not an uncommon thing for Michigan to do. Mm-hmm. If this is a Jim Harbaugh staff, I'm pretty happy with it. Sharon Moore's first staff in February with Clink leaving unexpectedly, Elston leaving, like Mitter, you knew, and Jay, you knew, but like given the situation Sharon Moore was put in, I think this is a great defensive staff. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, like you said, I, I, it wouldn't matter if Jim Harbaugh was the guy or, or Sharon was the guy. I, I would like this staff either way. Markdale's um, kind of like the new Harbaugh, isn't he? Like, the, yeah. And I know his ties go all the way back to Jack at Western Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, you got a you got a grizzled veteran back there, this, which is kind of what it's kind of what more needed. Yeah, um, the head really. coach of the defense, right? Yeah, yeah, you got a yeah, you got a guy that's been around the block and and kind of that can not necessarily with head coaching experience that can kind of help you out a little bit and mm-hmm. um you know and and knowing and and runs your scheme that you want, I think it's even better. So yeah, again, tough to tough to to you know point at at holes right now and, and kind of give grades and say, Oh, this could have been better or what. It's just too tough to, to tell right now. But I think, you know, February, all things considered, I think Sharon did a really good job. Um, multiple head fakes too. You know, you got guys saying they're coming and, and not, not ended up coming. And then you get guys that, uh, you know, said they were staying and then changed their mind. And yeah. it's, yeah, I mean, pretty much it was a very wild ride to get here, but you know, we're, we're actually here. So, um, yeah, here we are. Yeah. This is kind of the opposite of what I talked about with the offensive staff in terms of, of history at Michigan. Like I said, with the offense, mm-hmm. three guys played at Michigan, two other coaches that have been at Michigan for a while, but this is, this is a staff that doesn't have a whole lot of familiarity with the with the university or with the program, but I, I still think it's a good staff. And, and and like I said, I like I like Scruggs, I like BJM. Morgan's a good hire. And and like we just talked about, we don't know a whole lot about Brown, but as long as the special team is doing a good job, then 
he's doing a good job, right? So, mm-hmm. and Trevor, I like what you said about Martindale, head coach of the defense. I think that's that's big for Sharon Moore. So overall, I do like the defensive staff. The, the recruiting is going to be the interesting thing. You know, Josh, Josh has brought that up a couple times because how much relationships matter and they're starting over on defense. So dead period right now. Uh, but I, I think you're going to have to hit the trail hard. And I, I think Scruggs and, and BGM are going to be a huge part of that. Well, again, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see with Wake um, and, and, and JB Brown and how they get into it. But um, yeah, I, again, Josh, we, we can't grade it. It's just a stupid thing, right? So we'll see. They've got a talented roster. That's for sure. And, and part of that is because the mass exodus known and predicted by all Ohio State bloggers everywhere did not occur. Um, Keon Sab is the only, I'm not trying to downplay like a Reese Atterbury, but in terms of like being in the two deep or a guy that you were penciling into a major role, Keon Sab ends up being the only guy mm-hmm. to leave. Um, and it's not really any of our business, but this decision for him was more based on more and page returning than anything else. Right. The, the idea Alabama dropped a big bag. It, Josh had some reports that Michigan offered him more. Right. So yeah. I think this is a guy that was not going to be back for a fourth year. Right. Wants to have his junior season and go to the NFL and get drafted as high as possible. And Caleb Downs leaving Alabama gave him a chance to go play 800 plus snaps at, at Bama. And that's that's the decision he ultimately made. I do think there was a situation where he was going to get a ton of usage still with more split and nickel, whatever. But he made a decision best for him. He's moved on. Yep. Business decision. I mean, yeah. all things considered, yeah, one guy in the two deep, you know, going through this little window here, uh, you know, best case scenario. I mean, yeah, you've got one more portal window coming up here at the end of April, but um and maybe you have a couple more guys that kind of just saw what the, the writing on the wall during spring and kind of saw the, the depth chart and want to find more time. I mean, that, that may more than likely might happen. I mean, I'm not predicting it. I don't have any guys in my head that I know for sure are going right. to do that, but um, there's going to be departures. I mean, I would be stunned if there were none. I mean, that would just speak to how well the culture is at, at Michigan. And, and the fact that they only got away with one, departure and in, in, in the in on the two deep excuse me and one in the recruiting class i think is is really it's it's a big deal it's oh, it's it should be it should be celebrated um it, it you know losing sad hurts but you know all things considered i think you know you take look that at washington time. look at alabama look at what these yeah. other programs went through man yep like okay <laughs> Yep. And you know, now the, the, the playing field's kind of leveled a little bit now with April too, because that way it's open up to everyone. Now Michigan can possibly add a guy or two and, you know, they tried during the first window, but it didn't quite work out. So I don't know what kind of talent's going to be available in that next window, because a lot of these guys are already found future homes. So, um, you know, there's still a possibility that a, you know, a big name could come into the portal and at the end of April, but um, yeah, I mean, Michigan did its did a really good job keeping guys where they were, which is which is huge. Yeah, it is tough for Michigan though losing Sab because of how well he played down the stretch. He had, he had a really great national championship game. He played very very well. Two pass breakups. I think he had six tackles. 
And it was clear he, he's a really good safety, probably one of the better safeties in the Big Ten. But with Rod Moore and McCurry Page coming back, it, it was going to be tough for him to see the field. And Trevor, like you said, he goes to Alabama. And that's just – that's the state of college football right now. When you can when you can transfer and play immediately and, and get paid while doing it, it's hard – It'd be hard for anyone to say no when you can when you can go to Alabama and see the field right right away instead of staying at Michigan and and being the third safety behind Rod Moore and Macari Page, and I do think too he didn't want to he didn't want to stick around to see if that 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 third safety nickel look was ever going to work out for him in, in terms of taking over for Mike Sainer. So I, I yeah I if if I was him I honestly do think he made the right decision in. in Moving on to Alabama rather than sticking around through spring, eventually then to then to move on and and potentially have a spot taken away. So it's tough for Michigan, but you do bring back Rod Moore and Macari Page, and then you can, like we talked about earlier, working Jaden McBurrow, Zeke Barry, Brandon Hillman, whoever it may be. You still have some depth there, but but based on how Sab played late in the year, it is tough to see him go. Yeah, and, and I guess the point I was trying to make with him probably leaving after this year anyway is then I like the opportunity to give more reps to Zeke Barry and Brandon Hillman. Brandon Hillman coming into his sophomore year is penciled in to be arguably the next key on Sam, right? Another very physical player that can kind of play like a linebacker, come up in the line, et cetera. So in that aspect, you know, it kind of gives you an opportunity, but yeah, I'm not going to pretend losing Sam is not a bad thing. He was arguably I don't have the grades in front of me, but he was what top three or four player in that championship game. He was phenomenal after that yeah. missed tackle. So um, yeah, they, I think, you know, it's no secret that the Will Johnson's, the Mason Graham's, the, the Kenneth Grant's were, were being tampered with and, and we're getting big offers from other schools and have elected to stay. Um, yeah. I don't want to, get out and predict anything, right? The, the spring window is coming, but obviously you feel a lot better <laughs> about them staying in that window than you do now. And then, yeah, to Michigan's portal additions, um, real quick, I'm going to go through some of these questions, actually. Sam, it's like 94, I think. Uh, NIL has made the scholarship count irrelevant. Michigan had over 100 players on scholarship last year. <laughs> so it they're going to do what they need to do to make sure their roster is where it needs to be. Um, there was another one I saw. And yes, Derek's point, grad transfers. Yes. Some people get freaked out when a guy like jumps in the portal randomly. Grad transfers can enter at any time. So I do think Michigan, we already saw them looking for like that nickel safety hybrid before Sab went into the portal. So I, I think they're going to hope another player like that comes in. To, to the transfer portal in the spring window, a big outside receiver was someone they were looking for and have not added uh, defensive tackle. Initially, they, they, they seem to back off of that. And then quarterback will be interesting. I, I think Tuttle returning gives you that veteran leader type guy that you like to have in the room, Alan Bowman and, and Tuttle himself the previous year, unless, uh, unless, a sure thing starter, then I'm not going to name any names, but unless a guy goes into the portal, that's like clearly going to start. I don't know that they're going to go after a quarterback. I, I will, they get a chance to see what they have in the spring. And if maybe they're concerned, maybe they look, but I, I just don't know if you, if you risk throwing that room off just to add another player in the competition 
you're not going to promise a dude he's going to start, but if it's some two-year starter that that jumps in the portal for some reason, then then obviously you do. But mm-hmm. again, I brought up Alabama and Washington playoff teams, coaching changes. You see what happened to them <laughs> with players leaving, and and, and even coaches. Kalen DeBoer lost his OC, <laughs> who Washington decided not to hire as their head coach. So he, he follows him down to Bama, literally at like a banquet of some sort, is telling everyone he's going to stay at Alabama two days later as the OC for the Seattle Seahawks. Right. And, and now Nick Sheridan. Whew, if I told you in 2008, Nick Sheridan was going to be the offensive coordinator at Alabama, right? What a crazy world. But Kalen DeBoer's. Put that on the list, Brock. Head coach calling plays, Kalen DeBoer. I bet he's calling yep. play. I bet he's calling plays next year. Yeah. So I just again and Brock, I think it was you that said just the current landscape of college football. You, you gotta be pretty pleased with what Michigan's done. Absolutely. Some stability on the roster. The the continuity thing, I think, was so overblown personally. Because again, staff turnover is two to three dudes every year anyway. You didn't hire Sharon Moore, Sharon Moore, excuse me. I do that all the time. You didn't hire Sharon Moore to keep Steve Klinkscale. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the continuity had to do with the culture around the program and all of those things that Moore could bring along with him too, ideally. And three years from now, who knows what the staff's going to look like? You, you don't make moves to retain a couple staff members because they, they turn over so much. Right. Yeah. So anyway. All right, so that being said, we are getting closer to spring practices. I, I posted uh, my first article, which Derek, you, you are such a huge supporter and, and loyal subscriber. We appreciate you so much pointing out. Um, I did post the first position breakdown heading into the spring on quarterbacks. Uh, we'll have each position group posting, I don't know about daily, but roughly, you know, leading up to spring camp. We obviously have NFL combine coverage getting ready to kick off this week basketball will wrap up at some point (laughs) what do they have to do for worst record do you know they so based on winning percentage they can't they can't do it based on winning percentage um good there was a team back in the (laughs) in the 50s or 60s that i think went four and 20 um or maybe even maybe even there was a team that worked. Yeah, I think we all remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there are, there are four guaranteed games left: three in the regular season and one in the Big Ten tournament. If Michigan loses at least three of those, they will have lost the most games in in program history, beating out the the first year that John Beeline was there. They lost twenty two games, so they're at twenty now. If they lose three more, they'll have lost the most games by any team in program history. But if they lose out, if they lose all four of these remaining games, I did it the other day, they will have tied for the second worst winning percentage in program history. In 108 years, tied for the second worst. That's what we had to sacrifice for a natty. It's so bizarre how that always, there was like a couple years with Beeline and Harbaugh, where it was like they were both pretty good, <laughs> right? But like generally, it's been that way. It's so yeah. crazy. Oh, what a, that spread number one in nineteen against the spread in losses. That seems, and they just got their first one with Purdue. First time they covered the spread yeah. in a loss all year. That is a crazy, 
crazy number. But anyway, my point in all of that is we will be covering this all over at michigan.rivals.com. Josh is going to have, I guess we get to see what the submarine looks like with Shiro Moore in terms of information coming out of spring. And it's going to be interesting. It's exciting. I mean, now that everything is, it's the unknown that made everybody so uncomfortable and obviously coaches leaving and not who was coming in. Now I think it's going to be exciting to see what the, the differences are in, in the way information comes out of this program yeah. under Shromore. So it's going to, it's going to be fun covering it and talking about it. I'll um, say one, one thing I w- I hope we can attend practice because that was something that never yeah. happened under Harbaugh. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't I'll say Josh, Josh, what, should we, how much money we, do we take from Brock on this one? Yeah, <laughs> nah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on it. I would not count on it. <laughs> I would be pleasantly surprised if we can get a day. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. You just get to watch stretching for 20 minutes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Do you remember the, um, was that this year? I think it was this year. The, it was, it had to be the, the bus tour, the big 10 bus tour. They show up at East Lansing and Mel Tucker's like, Oh, sorry. It's a walkthrough day. And they're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So yeah, yeah, we're just doing walkthroughs or whatever. You knew we were coming. What do you mean? Like, yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> they were so pissed. I wonder what yeah. he's up to. Yeah, um, no comment. I would say, don't do it, Josh. <laughs> don't no do comment. it. <laughs> no comment. But all right, appreciate you guys, you know, giving us a little, a little break. Um, even though it really wasn't one, Josh was still grinding and pounding his head the wall, Broxman covering games, and maybe I got a break, but I was sick as a freaking dog for a couple weeks. So appreciate a little time off. We are back. We're going to be here every week. Ideally Sundays at eight. Um, obviously if we change, we, we try to make you aware on our Twitter account, obviously liking, subscribing and getting notification bells here on YouTube is the best way to know when we go live and be a part of the conversation. If you're watching this back or listening on the podcast. And of course I, I see the comments, a lot of our regular viewers and they happen to be our, our subscribers and big contributors in the den over at michigan.rivals.com. So we appreciate you all as well. And if you're not a subscriber already, like I said, talk to Derek, talk to some of these guys, ask them for their opinion. If you, if you don't want to buy what we're selling, we, we're really proud of the community over there because of guys like Derek and some of the subscribers and what they've applied there. So as always, thank you for joining us here. Make sure you're following michigan.rivals.com as we've got more spring content, NFL draft combine and yeah, basketball. <laughs> otherwise we will recap the combine yeah we'll recap the combine and and some other things next week sunday at eight here on hail to the podcast